Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Players and players unions realize their power. The days of athletes just shutting up and dribbling are over. They have a better chance of getting the messaging out there and the manner that they want to get it out there if they remain visible on the platform that they have. My initial reaction was just really being proud of the young brothers for making that stand. It's the responsibility of anybody who has a microphone, who has a platform, who has a follow to speak to this injustice, whether they're white or black. They did something that no one thought that they would do and no one thought that they really could do. They paused the NBA's business for two days. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our Back on Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I am so glad that you're back if you are back. And if this is your first time, we certainly welcome you and hope that you enjoy the podcast and go back and listen to past episodes. We have a fun one, a packed one this time out. And I'm going to give you a rundown. But first, I want to remind you of a couple of ways to become interactive and to get more involved in the actual podcast. You can go to wadeswordproductions.com. That's Wade's Word productions.com and go to the sports talk with Devin Wade page or go to any of those pages and learn all about the things that I'm involved with and subscribe to the email list. So you can get emails when we're doing something fun or special or special episode, or if we want to take a survey and get your take on certain things, whatever. So wadeswordproductions.com, subscribe to the email list. Then, of course, 24 hours a day, you can call the sports line, the Sports Talk Sports Line at 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And finally, of course, on social media, you can find me on Twitter at WadesWord and also on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. We post poll questions. It's very interactive. And those are all the ways that you can get involved. Now, this time out, we are having uh, from the special teams unit, our guy, Eddie Robinson. He's going to talk a little bit of Euro sports, but we're going to talk a whole lot of basketball and get his take on some football stuff as well. Have a great conversation coming up with him. And for the first time on an episode of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, Mr. Baseball, James Montgomery, a Houston radio staple. He's been on the airwaves in Houston for a long time. Been a really good friend to your boy. And, of course, he his title says it all, Mr. Baseball. We're going to talk some baseball, some Astros with him. He's going to break some things down for us in the second half of the show. We also have a We the People segment where we check the sports line. Again, 832-941-6614. We'll get into some headlines. And we have... Alamon Award, and before I let go. So those are all the things that are coming up. So without further ado, let's get it going because we have some great stuff ahead of you. It's time for some headlines. 
In headlines, a lot to get into. I mean, so much going on in the world of sports that we may have to start coming to you, if not every day, a lot more frequently so we can keep up with all that's going on since everything is sort of being pushed and compacted into this part of the season because of COVID. So a lot I want to get into, but let me say this. I'll give you a peek behind the curtain. What a difference a day makes as really the podcast was supposed to post yesterday. So uh, I did those interviews with Eddie and James, Mr. Baseball Montgomery, and those were supposed to run yesterday. They're still going to run, but now we've had game one of the Rockets-Lakers, and I want to get into all of that. But first, before we get into the Rockets and the Lakers last night, I want to talk about a number of notable passings since the last time that we've uh, come to you. COVID-19 strikes and gets a legend in Tom Seaver. Now, I don't remember the Amazons, the Amazing Mets, the 69 Mets, but I do remember him from the Big Red Machine. Tom Seaver dies. He had other complications, but he also was a uh, just a tremendous Hall of Fame pitcher. Incredible. At the time, I think he was the high, had the highest percentage of votes uh, to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, but he dies as a result of COVID. Want to acknowledge the passing of John Thompson of Georgetown. He's getting a lot of love. First African-American coach to win the national title. Just a a, uh, a big time force and I was there Hoya paranoia all of that look they were a nemesis in a way for the Houston Cougars so let me take you back to my childhood I'm fire slammer jammer till I die I bleed red <laughs> like fire slammer jammer is my favorite group of teams of all time I just loved it I mean everybody from Rob Williams to Larry Mishaw to Dream to Drexler to Michael Young Alvin Franklin Ricky Winslow later on Cadillac Anderson I mean Guy Lewis David Rose Reed Geddes I can name them all those are my teams and of course John Thompson and his team beat the Cougars in the 84 Final Four it was rim and rattle in Seattle. I remember all of that. You know, they had T-shirts, and it was a fantastic time. And college basketball has never been big in the city. It was huge. Well, I take that back. You had the game of the century with Elvin Hayes in the late 60s. But over that period, it was, I mean, you had those Cougar teams that competed against UCLA. They were, at the time, per capita, probably bigger than Five Slammer Gemma. I don't know. But Five Slammer Gemma has resonated. They changed the game. They was, I mean, it was, man, that was my team. And for Georgetown to beat them and Patrick Ewing, that was a, that was a tough loss. Ended up losing by nine. I mean, really, I never have recovered from a sports standpoint from the 1983 Final Four in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I'm a little bit petty. I'm, I'm a little bit emotionally petty when it comes to John Thompson or to Jim Valvano. I mean, I just, I've never, I never liked Jim Valvano. And he made a hell of a speech. And the, the Jimmy V Foundation has done phenomenal, phenomenal things. And you just can't take away his impact and uh, his influence on Dick Vitale raising all that money to help folks in the name of G, uh, Jimmy V. But I still never liked him. <laughs> never, I'm, 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 I, I revert back to the 12-year-old me. I don't like him. Now, John, I like. John, I liked. I just didn't like that Georgetown team because it was all about Ewing versus Olajuwon. But it was Graham that did the work and, and really kind of double teamed and roughed up Olajuwon. And he couldn't, he didn't, you know, Clyde had gone. Clyde had left. He didn't stay with him. 
And so it was Ricky Winslow, Alvin Franklin. There was a lot of guys, but Clyde was gone. And after that, Dream was gone. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and then you go on to what they did in the Big East. When the Big East had, I think, three teams in the Final Four. It was St. John's. I mean, Big East basketball then was just phenomenal. But, I, you know, they've been talking all about the Big East in that era. But they sleep on the fact that, hey, U of H was right there. So U of H went to three straight Final Fours. But in 85, I think three Big East teams made it. And you had some teams. And you had the Syracuse. You had St. John's. You had Villanova that won the championship in 85. But Big John, a big, big loss. I think the, the biggest statement you can make is what he did for the men, the young men that he brought to his institution. I mean, just touching words by uh, Allen Iverson talking about how the coach saved his life and gave him a second chance. And, I mean, just a big, big time loss. And also locally here in Houston, Daryl Simon. You may not know Daryl Simon. Daryl Simon uh, at one time was a, a part of Baseball Writers of America. Then he went on to work for the Houston Astros. Also uh, ended up running – NRG Park, that's the stadium, uh, the NRG Stadium Park, and all the facilities and all of that. He was a uh, a really really good guy, a a guy that I knew well for 25 plus years. Loved Texas Southern University. Best friends with Tony Wiley, Frank Nelson. Those those guys. I mean, you know, I feel bad for those guys, but I wanted to mention Daryl Simon's passing because uh, that's a big time loss. But I just wanted to make sure nationally, you guys won't know, and maybe locally, uh, some of you folks won't know. But he was a a really good guy and I want to make sure to acknowledge him and extend my condolences to his friends and family which are numerous just a great great guy and such a tragic sudden loss in shifting gears you want to talk about what a difference a day makes I mentioned that earlier what a difference the conversation is today as opposed to yesterday when this podcast was supposed to initially come out yesterday I was lamenting the fact that James Harden had not in fact redeemed himself from laying another big egg in a big game which almost resulted in them losing so I was really down on the Rockets and I said this and I tweeted this this is the least inspiring game seven victory in NBA history something to that effect and, and I'll tell you like I said whatever happened there happened there but they came out last night versus the Lakers and they shut them down and you have to give the Rockets a ton of credit and some things again this was the matchup for the Rockets I think the Clippers are a much worse matchup for them. And I really think in some ways, I guess uh, Oklahoma City was a tougher matchup. Not to say that they're going to necessarily win this series, but they can do more of what they like to do in this series than they could uh, versus the uh, Clippers, which, you know, again, would be awaiting them, we presume. Let's see what happens with Denver and the Clippers. But let's see what happens in this series. But you talk about what happened. James Harden on fire last night. He had 36 points. He also... So uh, it was 12 or 20 from the field, 3 or 6 from the three-point line, and 9 or 12 from the free throw line. And so so uh, he's just had a, a phenomenal night. And then two other guys helped him. Westbrook was on fire. He was explosive. He did things that he didn't do or couldn't do coming back from that quad injury in the Oklahoma City Thunder Series. He looked more like himself last night. His aggression, his energy, and all the things that Westbrook does were apparent last night. He scores 24. Gordon scores 23. 112-97. So it was a blowout victory. But this game at the 10-minute mark, the Rockets were up 87-82. It just exploded from there. Rockets shoot 48% from the field and held the Lakers, I'm telling you, under 100 points. And that's the third time this postseason that the Rockets have done this. So 
they have stepped up their defense in a way that we didn't anticipate. And I think it also exposes the fact that this is a series of third scores. Who's going to be the third score? LeBron James last night, 20 points. Davis had 25. The only other person to have double digits was Danny Green. Now, this is where you miss Avery Bradley. He's not in the bubble. He opted out. But this is a problem for the Lakers. Now, going forward, P.J. Tucker did a really good job, but it comes down to how they call these games. If they let him kind of push him around and kind of rough him up, it was a very physical game last night, including LeBron diving on top of P.J. Tucker in a really weird way, Uh, just unnecessary, almost, you know, like – Come on, you know, he had possession of the basketball. Wait, anyway, that's one play. But uh, by and large, a really physical game got a little chippy. And and moving forward, I think we'll see a little bit more of that as the Lakers, I'm I'm sure, will try to rebut that uh, by coming out and playing aggressive and trying to get something going. But Caldwell Pope didn't do much. They just didn't get a, a third score to do much. That being said, I think Anthony Davis can really go off in this series, especially if they call the games tight. So we'll have to see what happens moving forward. Milwaukee, the biggest disappointment by far, down 3-0 to the Miami Heat. And unlike Toronto, who came back with .5 seconds to really save their season, uh, Milwaukee, no such luck. And they lose and go down 0-3. So, wow. That is a big turn of events. We we may possibly be looking at an Eastern Conference final of Miami and Boston. That's kind of a throwback, right? We'll see. Uh, so a lot more basketball. But that's what happened with the Rockets. Have to give them credit. I mean, they did a lot of what they wanted to do. They shot well. If they shoot well, they can beat anybody on any night. And if they get the third score. Now, sometimes that'll be good. And sometimes that could be a guy like uh, Robert Covington. They maybe can be a guy uh, like Tucker who can get hot from the perimeter. Although I don't think that that'll happen in this series. It could be green. So as long as you get a guy, a third guy, I think the the battle will be uh, among the third guys generally. Now, I think that in the course of a series, your stars may have an off night and they may not perform like you think they should. Um, But by and large, it'll come down to that third score. Lakers may be in a little bit of trouble here. But I said that against Portland. And then Portland just defensively was just horrible. And then ultimately, Lillard got hurt. But that series was over before that. Uh, And so we'll have to see what happens. But that is certainly interesting. Also, a couple things in football. And I can't get to everything because we want to get into the We the People segment. But I will tell you this. Deshaun Watson got his money. Deshaun Watson got a a big, big raise. I want to say to the tune of $39 million a year over four years. So essentially around $160 million contract for him. And if you have to suffer through being coached by Bill O'Brien, you might as well get paid. But he's here to stay. And, uh, yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing for Deshaun Watson. Also some notable cuts. Leonard Fournette was waived, joined Tampa Bay this week. Also, Lamar Miller was cut, and a few other guys uh, were cut. Adrian Peterson was cut yesterday, and uh, still a couple big names out there. All right, a name in Jadavion Clowney. He's still a free agent. Tennessee and New Orleans are talking to him. So that's what's going on with all of that. Time for We the People. We the people. In the We 
the people segment we uh, usually do something where we can be interactive with you guys whether it's putting up a poll question on the sports talk with Devin Wade page or group or checking the sports line 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614 and you can leave a message 24 hours a day and we may include that in the very next podcast let's see what we have on the phone line hey Devin this is Yale I just wanted to call in and kind of talk about the Rockets uh, especially with this series with the Lakers coming up I know a lot of people are you know down talking and talking about we shouldn't have won that game against OKC or even though we did win it just wasn't very a very convincing win but to be honest I like the way we won I think Houston needed to win one of these ugly games. I think the way they play ball, it's easy to get into these types of games when your shots aren't falling. But I think the team, especially Harden, has definitely stepped it up defensively. And I think that just being able to beat a team like OKC, you know, a very rough, clutch team, will help us in the long run. And, I mean, obviously, there's nobody on OKC that's like LeBron or AD, but I'm not sure how they'll match up defensively with the Rockets. And if the threes are falling, I think that uh, it'll be hard for the Lakers to keep up with just the way Houston can score. And you know what? At the end of the day, we weren't Capella or whoever we would have had a center was not going to compete with Anthony Davis. So I think it's good that we're trying to go about it a different way, and I'm excited to see how, you know, Covington and P.J. Tucker and the rest of the gang uh, can put on for Houston, man. Thanks, E.L., for checking in. And just think, that call <laughs> that call was made yesterday before game one. Uh, a little bit prophetic in what he said, but I'll tell you what, it goes back to that philosophy. If you, you can spread the floor with a guy like P.J. Tucker or Green or Covington and sort of just put a body against Biggs, uh, but – I guess Capella was such an offensive liability, although they, the pick-and-roll stuff that they were doing worked. But, again, this is all in. They pushed all their chips in the middle of the table, and let's see how it works out. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Mike D'Antoni. And, again, this is way, way premature. But it seems like he's dead coach walking, and it almost seems like he already has the Indiana Pacers job. It almost seems like that. seems like they're playing out the string. We'll have to see. But it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic changes if the Rockets are able to to win this series. Now, again, I'm I'm not even being a homer here. We're just kind of sort of talking things out, just kind of, you know, just spitballing here, seeing what what may uh, be on the forefront. But we'll have to see because you know the Lakers are going to bounce back and maybe in a big way. And we know that – this team can be very inconsistent. The Rockets I'm talking about can be very inconsistent. With that, let's get into our conversation with Eddie Robinson. Still to come, our conversation with James, Mr. Baseball Montgomery, and, of course, uh, a word from our sponsor, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, a Lamont Award, and so much more. Let's hear from Eddie Robinson. European sports nerd in stage five of the Tour de France. I know you have an opinion on that, but we want to get with you on a number of things. What's on your mind? How are you today? 
Oh man, everything's going great. You know, like you said, it's it's a great time of year. A couple of days into the Tour de France, and uh, so that's that's exciting. Formula One is still moving along. Football is starting up. Like I think we were just talking about that. Without the preseason, you know, football is just kind of just rolling along really fast. And you have the bonus of having uh, basketball still playing, and and of course baseball is moving. So U.S. Open is going on. So I mean, if you're a sports fan, man, you it went from having no options. I mean, I was watching beach volleyball in Sri Lanka over the COVID. You know, I don't even know what it was. I was rooting for one side just because I wanted some competitive juices to flow. But now you have tons of choices of sports. So I think things are maybe not getting back to normal, but definitely trending that way. Yeah, and like you said, uh, even college football got underway. Central Arkansas played Austin P. So, you know, you're seeing some stuff. I'm, I'm not confident. I, I these college coaches are driving me crazy with, you know, they just Dabo Sweeney and all of them. They just want to just plow straight ahead and, and really kind of ignore the advice uh, that they're getting from medical experts. But that's a different subject. You know, of course, it was a big, big story around here. Game seven. Could James Harden redeem himself? I'm going to ask you, do you think with that block at the end of the game, he redeemed himself? Well, hey, you never apologize for winning. That's that's the first thing. So once I win, don't tell me I didn't win the right way. I won. Period. Shut up. Let's move on to the next round. So, yeah, I, mean, I think that was uh, somewhat of a redemption for James, especially because, you know, he's often criticized of, of not playing defense. But, man, if I'm averaging 34 points a game, man, come on, I can't have five blocks, too. So. I think uh, at the end of the end of the day, uh, it was a series that that without Westbrook, it was a lot tighter. It got to Game Seven, and and the biggest thing was that the Rockets won and they could move on. I mean, I think it would have been a, a a way more devastating loss for the franchise for the Rockets than it was for OKC. So definitely was a more of a must win game and must win series for the Rockets. And hey, once you pull it off and win, you move on to the next one. Well, and here's why I say I don't think he redeemed himself he had an awful shooting night awful offensive night he even said so in the postgame interview and you can't be see again this is all about what you're but expe- he won no That's no the no thing. but understand this <laughs> it, but it, it's all about your level of expectation okay and we wouldn't we didn't go into the game saying boy robert covington better have a hell of a game if the rockets are going to advance the stars have to shine in those moments and again, he didn't. And then, and, and everybody raves about, oh, they're the number one defense in, in the playoffs, and they're, they're you know, hard and stepped up. But look at who he's doing it against a team. Who who is hey, your okay, most prolific? Time, time who is your out. most prolific scorer on that team? So who did the who did the seventy two Dolphins beat when they went undefeated? Who cares? They went undefeated. So my point is, when you win, you win and you move on. I'm not gonna apologize for who I'm playing and how I play. In the end of the day, yeah, I didn't shoot my best. I'm not going to be perfect all the time. Jordan had horrible games, but he would come back at the end and make a great play, hit the free throws, make the game-winning shot. That's part of what being a champion and being that guy is, is even on my off day, I can get the W. They found a way to get the W, and Harden had a lot to do with it at the end of the game. He made the biggest play of the game, of the series, so you move on. I'm not going to critique the guy. Now, had they lost, I'd be shooting bullets at them, but they won, so we move on. Save those bullets to the next round. <laughs> well, this is what I tweeted, and, and I said this, and maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. I said this is the least confident. I disagree. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sure you do. This is the least confidence-building Game 7 victory ever. Like, most of the time, you know, that Game 7 victory springs 
springboard you into momentum in the game one. You know, even if you don't, you come out and lay an egg in game one. You have the excitement. Of okay, so so let me play devil's advocate. Harden, Harden shoots forty percent from three point line. He scores fifty two. Uh, they win by fifteen or twenty, and everybody would have said, "Well, you know what? It shouldn't have gotten to game seven. They're supposed to beat OKC anyway." So what does that do for you in, in game one against the Lakers? Well, Nothing. you're right. A whole that, new series. that statement was zero, right. So right. you let the pundits be the pundits. That's why they're the they're, you know you we, nobody's happy unless they have something to say, good or bad. You have to sell papers and make people listen to your podcast. I got I, I got that. a secret. We're, we're, we're day, the pundits. We won. Let's go Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I don't. I just. Hey, man, you talking with a season ticket holder, man? You about to piss me off? So you, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, don't don't direct your anger at me. You direct your anger at LeBron or or Harden or wherever you want to go. Westbrook, who's not a hundred percent. So now you got game one tonight. What do you? What, what do you? How do you think this thing is going to shake out? Well, I think this series is a little bit more intriguing than people think. If you look at the way the Rockets have played the Lakers, when they go small. They have mismatch, and if you have a healthy Westbrook, you have guys who can drive to the lane, including Garden. And we have some Covington. We have a numerous guys who can drive to the lane, and and there'll be a lot of chances to cut to the basket. Now, if we just sit around and and play small and just shoot threes all night, although that's our style, and I think you take the open shot. But when you have the mismatch, when you have a small guy on a big guy, you got to get that guy moving vertical and get to the lane and take the layup and get the and one and get them in foul trouble. Now, on the flip side, of course, you know, we're going to have a heavy dose of them going inside the paint and we won't bet. P.J. Tucker has to get his leg work out because, you know, obviously everybody's going to be taller, than him, but he's going to have to box out and play physical underneath and be savvy and hope that we don't give up a lot of layups. If we can get some layups, and regardless of how we shoot the threes, but if we can get some two-pointers and drive to the hole and also stop some kind of way the Lakers from getting multiple offensive rebounds and also getting a whole bunch of in-the-paint points because they'll have the size advantage, then I think we could have a chance and be competitive. And, and, and of course, the caveat is, and in, in the, in the, you know, the X factor is, if the Rockets have a great shoot night, then you can force the Lakers to also try to match us from shooting outside, which that's what they don't want to do. So I, I think it's an intriguing series. I, I give us a puncher's chance to, you know, to, to stay in the fight and keep it close. I mean, the longer it goes and if we could win a game, they could win a game, we get to a game six to game seven, hey, anything could happen. You know, so that's how you got to look at it. Yeah, and I think, like I said, is is a, the our well not ours, but the Rockets backcourt versus the Lakers frontcourt. You, hey, you can say ours. You you a Houstonian? Come uh, on, well, no, I don't it. work for the organization, so I got you got to you know, as, <laughs> and you know this as a media media uh, member. You you can't okay, yeah, you yeah, can't you, say, you say that now. But if but if we win the championship, you can say, oh, we, we the championship. Oh, I, I already <laughs> said this. Hey, the the, the we you yeah, get a I we when at the we front win. Of the parade going down Main Street, man. Right. Once the Astros. <laughs> Yeah, once the Astros won the title, it was a week. Okay, <laughs> until that, until after Game Seven against the Dodgers, up to that point, it was a they, and then they won the championship. Now I get the right to say we, but nonetheless, you, you look at the situation. I think if you look at every game early on and how they really are officiating this, because if they let Tucker get physical underneath with Davis. Which you know, I'm not. I don't think that. And, and, I, he, and Davis, Davis does not like when Tucker gets physical with him. When you start bumping him, you know, on on the lower half of the body, which Tucker like a little fire plug. I mean, he's scrappy. Now, obviously, you know, like like you said, we can't handle the 
the height advantage, but he can play him physical and make it nasty. Unless, know? like I said, if he gets a couple quick fouls and they're not going to let him get rough down low, then the Rockets are in definite trouble. Any night but, that it's but like usually that. when you're the small guy, like if, if I'm giving up 12 inches to you, you can't ticky-tack call me on all these fouls. I mean, you're a foot bigger than me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, well, the, the, yeah, I know, but the officiating has been crazy, period, in the, in the yeah, bubble. The officiating has always been crazy in basketball. That's that's It's yeah. probably the worst sport where the officials, other than if you have a baseball guy behind the plate that's just all over the plate, but all over the place. But baseball, basketball is, is where an officiating crew, based on how they're calling the game that night, can dictate that a team can't play its style of basketball, which is just part of it. You know, yeah, you have yeah, some of yeah. them, they're letting you play. You you know, you you playing like street ball, and another one is like you can't touch a guy. So, and, and your superstars can get quick fouls. That, but that to me, that's just part of basketball. If you if you start worrying about the officials, it's, it's like boxing. You, you can't control what the, what the right. referee's going to do. Right, right. You just got to figure it out, and you might have to. You got to figure it out, and, and, and you play adjust. as hard as he's going to let you play. You right, and you have to adjust, but you might be two fouls in before you get that in the first quarter. That And so yeah. I think, you know, like I said, this, it's going to be tough. when If Davis is playing well, it's going to be tough. But like I said, any night the Rockets hit their shots, and this is the philosophy that they're married to. If we hit our threes, we win. If we don't, we lose. And, and that's, that's what Dan yeah, Tony but, but, is, but, is committed to. And typically, I would say that is the case. But in this one, because we're going to go ultra small with a team that can, that does like to go big, we'll have speed and agility mismatches, which Harden can take anybody to the goal. But if we can get there, there which is why we, we, we got rid of the French guy. Yeah, I forgot Capella. his name at these mm-hmm. Capella, <laughs> yeah, which is why we got no rid of him loyalty. because, you know, he didn't give us anything on the plus side. You know, he's in the paint and nobody – he doesn't have a one-on-one move to score one-on-one because they're not going to double him because we got the shooters. But at the same time, he can't get his guy out the paint, so now you keep a shot blocker in the paint. So the only thing you can do is hope for an alley-oop or and one, which is how he scored 80% of his points, which is why we had to trade him. But now that we can put five guys around the arc with that Jeff Green pickup and stuff like that, it's like we can actually get the mismatches to go to the lane consistently because their shot blocker is going to have to come out of the lane. And at that point, it's kind of like the YMCA ball when nobody wants to get in the paint. You know, you go to the Y, you got five people who want to shoot threes, and that's basically how we are. But the good thing about that is we can get a lot of lanes going to the basket. I just hope that if we can, if you know you have the matchup, there's a big guy on you at that point, blah, 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 left, right, left, right, bam, go to the hole, take the and one. And if they double team down, you're going to kick it out to a guy that's set up wide open with an uncontested three, and that's the ones that we have to make. Well, let's talk about some of the other series. Obviously, the game one on the other Western Conference semifinal, Clippers got off to a great start. Like, I kind of really anticipated that they would after Denver came off such an emotional series, down 3-1, come back to win it all in a game seven. You see Murray kind of looks like he's kind of worn down, and they they couldn't hit a shot in the second half last night. And Kawhi just easily breezed through the game and had 29 points or something. He was just really easy for them. How do you think the rest of that series is going to go? Well, I think Denver will bounce back. Like you said, it just, it, this was almost a game that you you kind of spotted to the Clippers because you just came off that you know that that victory over Utah to close that series out. So, I mean, we'll see how it develops. I mean, the best thing 
for the lower seeded team, should I say, kind of like the Rockets is, if you get it to a game seven, it's in a neutral site. So it's not like there's a home court advantage. So for Denver, you're just trying to keep pace. Hey, they win one, I win one. Because if I get to game seven, it's not like I'm going to LA to play. We're playing in the same place. So it's no advantage to have in the first game victory. You know, So it's just like you keep playing basketball and hope that you can get it going. I, I feel like Denver, I don't think it'll be a, a breeze for, Clipper, for the Clippers. I do if I had to bet money, I would bet that the Clippers would win. But I, I see it going six games minimum, possibly seven. Right. Well, like, like I said, Jokic has a clear advantage in what he can do. But they have to have other guys step up and hit shots, pull it off the bench. Really, Murray has to get going for them to have a chance. But so, And then Patrick Beverly came back last night. He looked really well in his action. And, again, they got a chance to take really the whole fourth quarter and part of the third quarter off. So the lead was that big. So uh, easy, breezy night for game one. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you, human nature, and I don't I don't care who you are, is like when you have a lot of success, the first thing you do, if, I, if I'm Doc Rivers, I'm having a super hard practice today. You know what I'm saying? Because the human nature is, hey, you, you tend to say, oh, man, this is going to be all right. You, you, you kick back and relax a little bit. So we'll see if uh, if Denver can bounce back hard on the game, too, and maybe catch L.A. with just a little bit too much confidence. And, and Matt, you're, you're professionals, and you know you shouldn't do it. But it's just – I don't know why it is, but you just take your foot off the gas a little. So, I mean, I think this game, too, will tell the tale. It's a, it's a big difference between 2-0 and 1-1. One and one. Yeah. Now, going to the Eastern Conference, man, Milwaukee, they – <laughs> they catch that, hell. That, that's your pick. Now you, you no, know, no, I had Toronto. Lead, but you I, picked them. No, I had Toronto, <laughs> and Toronto was what what point five seconds away from being down 0-3. So yeah. <laughs> before we get to Toronto, Miami and Milwaukee. Hey, hey, man, look, Milwaukee is uh, they they in a little bit of trouble here. I mean, yeah, I I, I would think so. And um, I mean, hey, you don't have a home crowd to get you going. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, Milwaukee. I don't think anybody could have picked that the series would start like this. So we'll just see how this next game goes. But I mean, they, I mean, needless to say, they can't afford to lose another one. But um, I don't know. They have to do some soul searching. I think this is the time when you ask the coaches to leave the room and we have a, a team meeting because I think just about everyone picked them to win in the East. But so for them to to lose in the second round of the playoffs, my goodness, would just be a, a total setback for that franchise. And, and, and they, yeah, they're thinking, yeah, they thinking Giannis may may run, you know, run for the hills and leave if if they're not able to to make something happen. But look, the best series so far has been Boston and Toronto. Where Boston was, like I said, point five seconds away from going 0-3 before OG Ananobi hit that. Th- that season saving three so instead of being down 3-0 you're down 2-1 and this was their first victory over boston in the bubble uh, how do you see uh, that series playing out because i mean until this series i thought toronto was really doing really well and headed you know not easily but headed to uh, the nba finals what do you think about that series yeah, we're going to have to pull up that email I sent you, but I, I'm pretty sure that Toronto was my pick in the East. But, I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of surprised, but not really because Boston has a well-put-together team. They have a, you know, you got players who can do different things and everybody has a different style, and they seem like they play and mesh well together. It's not a lot of egos on that Boston team, and I don't think they're really, you know, they're, they're kind of playing like the old Danny Ainge, Boston Celtics basketball, where, hey, we're, it's team first, 
individual player second. I mean, you may score 15 one night, you may score eight the next. And so if you get your shots, you take them. If not, you pass it to the next guy. So, I mean, to me, that that team style of basketball where you're really believing in each other, I mean, that can go a really long way. And now you're talking about a team that's actually playing with confidence. And so, and they have the talent to me to be that team that can get out the East. I mean, they've always been flirting with, hey, we're pretty good, we're elite, we're right there. But I don't think anybody in that Boston clubhouse don't feel like they can't win the world championship. They definitely feel like they can get out the East, that they can beat Toronto and Milwaukee. So you're talking about a team where maybe from the outside, the media and, and the basketball world doesn't have confidence in them, but that team feels like they're the best team in the East. And sometimes that's all that matters. One of Chip Gears talk a little football. I mean, we won't delve into the, the football season, but we've seen a, a couple of, of developments here. Adrian Peterson released. Uh, we've seen uh, Leonard Fournette, who signed now with, with Tampa. Uh, we're seeing some of the Josh Gordon resigns, hoping for reinstatement in Seattle. Getting close here. Uh, any thoughts about the lead up to the NFL? Because I think next time I will sort of really preview it a little bit. But any thoughts on what you've seen so far? Well, in, I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot. I mean, I'm, I mean, I have two fantasy drafts coming up, and I'm, I'm kind of struggling. Are you gonna play in like my I league? Haven't... You playing in my league this week, this year? I'm gonna send you an invite for my league. It's not a, it's not a money league. See, I want enough people to play a money league, but I don't have you know, people's not people aren't trying to play the money league. Oh, no, I, I have, I have a money league that goes back 15 years. So I mean, yeah, we. I'm we, still gonna send still... you an invite. Yeah, <laughs> send me an invite. Send me an invite. But yeah, but. I mean, so it's it's hard to tell. I mean, you you can read the clippings and catch a little couple of ESPN clips on cue, but it's hard to tell um, who's doing what exactly because you just you, they're they're practicing against each other, so you know. But I mean, I think I mean it, you have to have some excitement if you're a football fan. I mean, I just got a, a email from the Saints talking about how they're going to try to have a you know a lottery system with the tickets and and course it won't be have before and it's uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of cool to see how this is going to work out and i think the biggest thing is is of course player safety first and it seems like we haven't had any any large reports of covid uh outbreaks on teams and stuff like that but i mean not that they really have to tell us but yeah so right. it's hard it's yeah. hard to know it's they don't have to, to tell us till it's time on. to gamble and then then you have to disclose stuff once you know i mean once we start gambling then we need to know we need full disclosure before we make that bet you know oh yeah because you have to you have to get that money line out yeah so but but we'll but we'll see i mean i think it's uh i mean we we have a I don't know, man. It's, this is this is going to be an interesting football season. You're talking about, you know, the Saints opening up the season with no fans for the first game. So it's just going to be a, a weird, just weird watching the Saints play. I mean, even if it was a scrimmage, it would be weird watching them with no fans. You're talking about a regular season game where the stats actually count and this is, can help you get to the playoffs or not, and there's no fans in the stands. I mean, that that's just going to be – I mean, for basketball – it's kind of weird, but you're talking about maybe 20,000. But with football, you're talking about 75,000 people that are not there with no noise. And so, you know, the defense, I mean, everything is totally different. So, I mean, if I had to predict, I would probably say we'll probably get more points scored because the defense can really impact what offenses are doing. So now you don't have any of that. I mean, if I'm Tom Brady, Drew Brees, whether – 
at home or on the road, I can make all of the checks I want and et cetera, et cetera. With, and so it's almost like I'm a seven on seven tournament. And if you, if you know anything about those, it always favors the offense. So I would say, man, maybe we're just going to see a, a, a offensive barrage because, you know, it's not going to be any bad snaps or, you know, quarterback exchanges. He didn't get the signal. None of nobody on offense should jump offside. So it should be more efficient. So, I mean, to me, everything is geared towards we're going to score a lot of points. So that means if you bet in the over under, take the over, over in all of these games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you about the Alvin Kamara thing. I mean, what's going on in New Orleans with that whole situation? I mean, now the rumors that they were looking at maybe trading him for a first rounder. What, what I mean, he wasn't happy. They have to have, uh, they've had to have a couple of conversations. What's, what's going on? What do you know about the situation? That's your team. So, I mean, what uh, you- well, pretty much with Kamara, I know what you know. I mean, as, as a fan, I mean, he's, he's one of my favorites, but the guy has outplayed his rookie contract and he's a running back. So whenever you have that situation, it's always going to be testy because you, you drew breeze is actually, you know, making what he's making. You just seen, um, can guard Mike, you know, Mike, Mike Thomas, he has, he's the highest paid, you know, justfully so wide receiver in the game. So Kamara's like, hey, man, I didn't put up some big numbers. I've been doing this since a rookie and, and for little or nothing. So, you know, at, at some point, are you going to take care of me this year or next year? So he's been really good about it. I mean, everything he said has been – everything he's saying is, is the right thing. But, of course, I'm sure he would like a long-term contract sooner than later. Now, from the same standpoint, if you don't see him as a piece that you really need and really value and, and high end, because, you know, we do a lot of a lot of running back by committee. I think Kamara's biggest attribute is he can do so much out the backfield with catching them. He's such a versatile player. So we'll, we'll see how it all works out. Well, and like I said, this is your time to shine. Any, anything you want to say about uh, <laughs> about European sports? I saw the Williams family got out of F, F, F Formula One. Uh, today, I don't know what that means, what? but how, yeah. how do you know that? That's that's amazing. That's that's amazing. Like I would, I would have bet all of my lunch money that you. I'd have, I'd have been hungry for lunch today. <laughs> hey man, you never know, man. I, I'm I, I'm all knowing, brother. <laughs> well, I think the the biggest thing is in, in Formula. Well, I'll give you my my brief European synopsis. Though the biggest thing in Formula One is that the Ferraris is just horrible. I mean, this this will probably be one of the first years that they don't win a race. I mean, they're. They're barely finishing in the top 10. And what's worse, they're in Monza, which is home of Ferrari, the Tafosi. I mean, everything, this is this is where, where the heritage was born. And, and they're going to get their bus kicked. So, I mean, it's nothing like going home and knowing that you're going to get beat and be real bad. They've always been, the, been, you know, the top three teams. And so now they're probably like the fifth or sixth best team on the grid. So that's. That's, I mean, that's just horrible. I mean, that's like the Lakers not making the playoffs. Like the Yankees, you know, well, the Yankees are playing bad right now. But, yeah, like the Yankees just going 10 years and not making the playoffs, that type of thing. So I'm sure it'll get fixed soon, but it won't get fixed this year or next year. Biggest thing in, in, in cycling, which is, you know, pretty much to all of Europe, is is the Tour de France, which is really getting into the to the high mountains. So now you get the guys who can actually try to win the Tour what I like about the Tour de France, when you talk about it, and I don't have I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't really understand the intricacies of what I'm seeing, but the scenery itself is worth tuning in for. Just to see the mountains and how beautiful the scenery is in in France is worth is worth watching for 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, now Bob, now Bob Rowe was a he was a professional cyclist. He's been a commentator for some years, and man, this dude he knows about and I don't. 
I would love to talk with Bob Rowe because I don't know if he has, and I've, you know, I've done TV and I've always had a flip card. So, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors on TV. I'm sitting here and, and I may flip my car. Yeah, this guy, you know, his dad was a volunteer firefighter and he did such and such. Or And I and I have all these little tidbits that I have about different players that I just randomly seem to, you know, remember from off the top of my head. But this Bob Rowe, man, he's a commentator. And like you said, they'll have the airplane flying. He'll say, yeah, now this was a 13th century castle and the king of the castle's name was Sir Francis so-and-so. And then he'll <laughs> go into this. I mean, and it's like they'll go to this bridge. Now, see, this bridge in World War II was blown apart. But then it was rebuilt and see, like this dude knows the entire history of France. It's like every place. Now he was a cyclist and he lived in Europe, of course, and he raced in the Tour de France for had a very long cycling career. And he's broadcast, so he's probably been at every Tour de France for like the last thirty years minimum. But still, his knowledge of the French countryside is beyond what anybody should know, especially for an American. You know, so but yeah, he's not, not, not with that it, accent. He's not American. He's, he is American, yeah. But how does an American know that much about France? That's my whole point. And, and it's like, and I'm not talking about the big stuff. It's like, you know, the, a little French town in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, there's a coffee shop at the end of the road that was first visited by Pierre de Gaulle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, I'm like, what? How did he know this? And so, but it's, it's it, like you said, man, part of the Tour de France is the, I mean, of course they don't have the fans there, but it's, it's just watching the scenery. That's what I kind of grew up on as a kid. It was just like watching the scenery and everything and then yeah, and just going through the countryside. That, and that's kind of one of my things. I definitely want to want to ride those roads one day. And, man, those mountain climbs, I mean, you're talking about. It's brutal. Imagine going eight miles, which is tomorrow or Saturday is a, is a huge mountain day. I mean, you're talking about going eight miles uphill with a 10% grade. And, and, and those little guys, they don't look like they're going fast on TV. But, man, it's whew. Man, just it's the tough. leg power is amazing. How can folks hit you up on social media? Man, I am at erob50 on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, man, well, look, next week we will talk about the NFL. So do your homework and look for uh, – I need your email address. We'll get that off there. And, uh, yeah, I'm going get to you, get you an invite to the Fantasy League. How about that? Hey, man, I take no prisoners in fantasy. I'm going to tell you now, the sleeper is, well, for the Saints, I don't know if you heard, but Jadavian Clowney, that may be a – a pickup that the Saints have on defense. So uh, I think there's still a couple yeah. more moves around the NFL. And, and, you know, the final cuts haven't come out yet, so we'll have to see moves where. It's always going to be one or two players that are going to get traded or moved around. So it's it's kind of tough if you're a fantasy guy trying to pick players. Man, it's going to be a hard one. Well, the draft will be Monday, so be ready. Oh, so I'm glad you at least told me that. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate it and enjoy talking to you as always. All right. want to thank Ed for joining us again. Hey, time to take a time out here from our sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And on the other side, a conversation with James, Mr. Baseball, Montgomery, and the Lamont Award. And before I let go, it's the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 
832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Devin Wade podcast on the mix. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. That's how we got doing his thing. Had me grooving. I want to give you a little bounce uh, in the middle of the show, but a lot more to come. Uh, but I want to remind you guys, if you have music and you want it played on the podcast, just send it to us. Music at wageswordproductions.com. That's music at wageswordproductions.com. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track on extended mix. So if there are other DJs out there, you want your mix heard, send it to us and uh, we'll work it in. Again, music at wageswordproductions.com. Couple things. Things. You know, on Twitter, I'm at Wageword, and so I'm always doing my thing on Twitter, and I've connected with some, I, and I always retweet Houston Oilers stuff. There are a couple of uh, folks uh, who retweet and send out information about uh, the Houston Oilers every day, and it's nostalgic, and it's fun, and I want to acknowledge Oil Always Rises on Twitter. They are having an event in Houston on Sunday at 5 p.m. at Rudy's Barbecue at 20806 I-45 north in spring texas they have a houston oilers truck out there and a couple maybe a couple of houston oiler vehicles and a bunch of oiler fans will be out there it is going to be a whole lot of fun i'm sure so that's happening sunday or this labor day weekend so sunday you can go out and party with some oiler fans you know i still have some nostalgic stuff of course my best friend played for the oilers so i have some oiler gear Uh, look i'm tied to my childhood what can i say native houstonian so also, tragically, uh, lost a Houston oiler, Greg Montgomery, at the age of 55. Listed as his cause of death was bipolar, and uh, that usually means what it means. But I want to uh, acknowledge the fact that uh, mental health is extremely important. I understand I've dealt with extensively uh, someone and some people uh, who have dealt with bipolar. So I know extre- how extremely difficult it is to get through that. And uh, those folks need a lot of support and understanding. Tragically, it looks like Mr. Greg Montgomery didn't uh, get all the help that he needed. Uh, but again, take care of yourself. Love yourself. Positive self-talk. Got to take care of yourself, man. I, I hate to hear that because that probably means um, that he 
died at his own hand. But again, it was caused by his bipolar disorder. So unfortunate. Played nine seasons with the Houston Oilers. Uh, nine seasons with the Houston Oilers. So uh, tough, tough thing. And, but again, t- in, in these days of COVID and all the loss that is going on around us, want to remind you guys, take care of yourselves and take care of your mental health. There are a lot of attacks on our psyche these days. But to uplift you, let's talk some baseball. We don't talk nearly enough baseball on this podcast, but let's do it now. And to have that conversation, bringing in an expert, our guy, Mr. Baseball, James Montgomery. And uh, again, a staple on Houston radio for years and years, but he is a baseball guy through and through. Uh, He loves his Astros, and you'll hear that in the conversation. Here's our conversation with James, Mr. Baseball Montgomery. First and foremost, how are you this evening? I'm lovely. Hey, we just took two out of three from the Texas Rangers. So (laughs) 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 anytime we the Houston can do something to Dallas, that makes me feel real good. The we you're talking about are the Houston Astros, of course. Man, the Astros have won six out of eight. In the middle of a couple of different postponements as well, they're pretty hot these days. What's going right for the Astros? Well, I think what's going right is that they do, as uh, (laughs) this city has been known for, they play with the heart of a champion. And just look at last week here. Let's just just think about this. First of all, they had like six straight regular scheduled games last week, which was altered by doubleheaders and postponements. Now, on Wednesday and Thursday, the Astros didn't play. Instead, they scheduled a doubleheader on Tuesdays to work around, remember, Hurricane Laura was supposed to be effective and and may come this way so they altered the schedule then but they returned to the field friday but what happened then they did not play as a club because that was the time that they protested the racial injustice in the country so they scheduled a doubleheader instead and played that saturday and then sunday's game of course was postponed because it was a positive covid19 test by a member of of the a's so it's been one hell of a week but when you look at this club man it does you talk about one of the the best jobs that he's probably done and he's done some great jobs you know being manager of the years many times as he has but this team has been broken up since the beginning he has not had a healthy astro team and what they don't cry they just say next man up and they go out there and they play hard and they represent the city real well every night and I want to get to the, the tribute a little bit later on. But let me ask you about this pitching staff. Of course, now, Zach Granke is kind of the guy you count on the most uh, since Verlander is out. Is he done for the year f- officially? Or uh, are they thinking no. he's Okay. No. No. Uh, uh, hopefully, by time uh, just before playoffs, uh, the, you know, if things stay positive, we can expect we will see Verlander back. I'm thinking. Yeah, and so you 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 have McCullers, you have Granky, and then you have a bunch of young guys, new guys like Framber Valdez and and Belak and Christian Javier. Talk a little bit about some of these young guys that are stepping up. How many how many of these guys have made the major league debut this season? Oh, several. More than we can uh, mention, probably. But yeah, the cream of the crop, I would say, would have to be Christian Javier because he was like an Astros or like fifth prospect, according to like MLB.com. He just had us had a solid start. He's four and one. He's got a 3.35 ERA in his first eight Major League Baseball appearances, and that's including seven starts. This 1.74 opponent batting average is the lowest among all Major League Baseball rookies, and it's fourth among just anybody that's qualifying uh, uh, from all AL starters. So that has 
has been just a a great boost. But you know, when you look at it, you, you know, it's like addition by subtraction. You 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 get a guy, you lose a guy. Like today, Altuve left the game early. You know, so getting the just MRI getting, on his knee, it, right? Yeah, and they're, they're, they're looking at that. But you know, but when you just look at the things that these guys have just done, I mean, Springer's been out, Bregman is out now. He's going on this road trip. Hopefully, you'll get him back. You know, you just have to tip your hat to him. And, and when you look at when they think about all the guys that have been out in this lineup that we haven't had the really top lineup that Dusty was looking at. But the Astros lead the American League in runs per game at like 5.23. They're third in runs scored, like at 183, and that's coming into the day, and they scored eight today. And they've done this because they don't they don't strike out a lot. They and and that's the best racial in baseball. Baseball has changed to a game where I'm gonna try to hit one out or I'm gonna strike out. You know, and and the Astros have have gotten gone against that norm years ago, which is you know why they've been so successful. Their contact hitters, if you keep putting the ball in play, you force the defense to to, to make plays. And even in this game of the shift, where you know we're going to just load up one side of the field and force you to try to play hit the ball in, in to all fields, it has been successful. But the, the Astros defy that. This team, if if healthy, Devin can play and can compete with anybody in Major League Baseball, and I mean anybody. Yeah, because if you look at he here are the guys that are just missing right now. You're talking about uh, Osuna, your closer. You won't have him the rest of the year. Jordan Alvarez, Verlander, like you said, Bregman, Josh James. I mean, uh, Urquidy, who was uh, supposed to, to be a guy that contributes uh, to the starting lineup. I mean, it's just amazing how devastated this team has been by injuries. But a couple of different dynamics with the Astros I want to ask you about. Ho, ho, ho. Before you even go there, two guys that are going to make this trip because they're about to go on an 11-game trip. Uh-huh. Peacock and Davinsky, who would really be the guys that you say Astros were a team. If they get up by you by the fifth inning, you, you got a problem. If the guy goes five, because once they can go and start matching up against you with, with guys like Peacock and Davinsky to get to Presley and Osuna, you're talking about guys that don't get hit. And so now you've asked rookies to come in and take the responsibility to do that. And for the most part, you got to tip your hat. They've got it done. And with these injuries, it's just an amazing job that, the, you know, that they've done. It, it just shows the character of the team. And especially in this year with this pandemic, because to, to be out there, I've never I've to, to, to have no fans and, and to go out there and to try to play baseball. You know, it, it it's just a different feel in high school. You have fans and, in colleges, you have, you know, fans and students that, of course, the pros, is, it's just a different field. But they go out there in spite of that and keep that focus and, and go out there and compete. And, and, and uh, you know, you just have to tip your hat to them because uh, under these circumstances, you got to tip your hat to baseball, too, because this was a big experiment. Basketball, they were in a bubble. They're all in one place. But you're operating through 30 different stadiums. And for the most part, they, you know, they seem to have pulled it off. Yeah, and and that's a tough, tough thing. But going into the season, of course, the bullseye was on the Astros' back. And we've seen a couple dust-ups throughout the season. Is that yeah. still an issue in some circles? And I, I know that they're helped by not having those those road crowds sort of pounce on them and boo them and all of that. But has, this, has baseball gotten over being mad with the Astros? I think so. I, I think it was overblown from the beginning. I think because the way it was handled, 
and 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 I'm still have a bad taste in my mouth because you know we're the bad Astros are the bad guys, but uh, not Boston. Not, not, not the Yankees. Not the, not the Yankees. <laughs> right. You know, it's just that we're the bad guys. So, and of course, the, the Dodgers, they get to run their mouth because they cry. Uh, you know, uh, good babies don't cry is what I heard. Mm. But they've lost all these World Series out there. And, and you know, they need somebody to point the finger at instead of themselves. But because Los Angeles and because the Yankees are, are top franchises and, and Boston, I feel they got favorable treatment. Now, the players themselves, they're individuals that probably still, you know, got a, a red burn on their net that feel one way. But that, that that's in any sport and, 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 you know, that's that's just people. But personally, no, I think they just go out there and they compete. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, uh, the people that didn't like each other, not not liking the Astros still don't like each other. <laughs> and, and there'd be, there's some teams that, you know, I mean, you look at it, it might be the Padres and the Reds. But when they see each other, you know, somebody's going to get dusted. Yeah, but, we just uh, saw it, 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 the it, whole it, thing with the Yankees and the Rays, and uh, yeah, yeah, well, that got it, ugly. Yeah, because, it, you know, they're personal. But Ted, no, uh, when it comes down to it now, everybody's just out there trying to compete. And it's a different animal. You know, see, the NBA was fortunate along with the hockey league. They were fortunate their seasons had already started and had begun. And because of that, even though the pause was there for several months, they were able to come back and still condition the athletes. And they did not have this injury bug. It's not just here with the Astros that that the teams are having injuries. They're having it throughout baseball. And that did not surprise me because baseball players are so prone to knowing that, you know, in December, I start, they start moving around in January, uh, they move around February, they're, they're heading to spring training. Well, by the time, you know, April comes, they have conditioned themselves. When they get a chance to start in March, I knew then it was going to be some injuries. And and they can take note, not not only in baseball, but but in football, too. Things have been pushed back. Athletes have been, I think, you know, somewhat not overextended but it 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 changes with the timetable and you're probably going to see a lot of injuries not only in high school you're going to see them in college and definitely you're going to see these injuries uh in the pros uh because you know everything has been moved and everything is different training techniques and everything is just so different but it is what it is you have to deal with everybody's got to deal with it the same it's just that some are going to deal with it better than others and and you just hope that you know you want everybody healthy you want to go out there and play your, your best and compete with everybody healthy. But, hey, just keep your fingers crossed when it comes to the Astros because so far uh, they haven't had that luxury. I want to ask you about, first, the American League. Uh, how are you seeing the, the rest of the league lining up? Who's a team that surprised you and who's a team that sort of has disappointed to this point? Well, I don't think there are any surprises in the American League in the East. I, I thought the Yankees and Tampa Bay would are the best two teams. Now, the Yankees are just like us. They're broke up. I mean, they, they, they've they had injuries, of course, uh, you know, to uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Judge and, and uh, I mean, uh, you, you name them, uh, they're out. So, uh, though, but those two teams are teams. Uh, Baltimore is is a better team. Toronto is, uh, I think, a young team. But after this trade deadline, I, I think they are pretty much uh, accepting the fact that they're going to be a rebuilding team. So, there's no surprise to me in the East. I think uh, in the Central, the surprise is what uh, it's not a surprise to me, because uh, you know, Devin, I have just 
been able to just recognize the, these type things. You see those growth patterns. But Cleveland and Minnesota were just like the, the teams that everyone had expected them to be, good baseball teams. But the Chicago White Sox, I said two years ago, this team, you better watch this team because they're young, they're good. And I mean, they, they, they remind me of the 2015-16 Astros when everyone starts saying, well, who is, you know, Altuve? Who is Correa? Who, who are these guys? Who, who is Springer? And they're like that. And, and the, they're good. So they are the definitely surprise over in the Central. And, uh, you know, they're up and coming team. You better watch. They get some pitching. Uh, the White Sox will be dominant. There's no doubt about it. They can hit and they're young and they're exciting. Well, but what about on the National League side? Because uh, I saw Mookie Betts with a clutch uh, home run in the bottom of the ninth last night. They end up winning that game. But yeah. Yeah, what's going on? In, the, I mean, the, the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're, you know, they're going to sit on that throne for a while. But the new kid on the block is obviously the Padres. Uh, San Diego has done an awesome job. And, 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 and obviously the, the year that Machado and, and, and uh, Tatis. Uh, yeah, for, he, Fernandez Tatis he, Jr., he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, they're just having an awesome time. And they are an exciting team to watch as, as we, you know, when we play them. Now, we had to play them with, obviously, like I said, with one hand tied behind our back. Next time, of course, when we see them, if our team is healthy, like I said, we can play with anybody. But uh, they're the surprise, I would say, that I would think, in the National League, along with the Cubs, uh, 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 a little bit better than I thought that they would be. But uh, on the National League side, the Dodgers will have to contend, I think, probably with the Cubs. Nobody in the East, Atlanta, uh, uh, they don't show me a lot of match. But uh, the Cubs, I would say uh, San Diego, the Dodgers are the, are the cream in, in the National League. I want to ask you about. I, the, I wouldn't leave out. Uh, you know, I mean, there's always a chance somebody could get hot. Washington's a talented team. I just don't think they're gonna pull what they pulled last year. Yeah, and I know that for that Miami is at 500. They, they kind of got out of the gate kind of quick, and now I guess that they are in the last 10 games are uh, right at 500. So they kind of cooled off from a hot start. Want to ask you about the playoff uh, format? How you? What do you think about having eight teams in each league uh, go to the playoffs? I think for baseball, and I think for this year, to add to the excitement, I think it's great. See, baseball isn't like basketball and, and football. They don't let half the league in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got 30 basketball teams and you put 16 in the playoffs. That's more than half the league. That's garbage. But <laughs> baseball makes you play 162. And then at the, what's really, I think, you're talking about cold-blooded, they have a sudden-death game, <laughs> and it's winner or go home. You play 162, it comes down to this win. One, we either win this or we go home. Just to get in as, as that last qualifier. This year, yeah, they're letting, uh, I think, two teams in each division will yeah. get into the playoffs. And then two wild cards. And yeah. then two wild cards. So that will add a lot of excitement in baseball because this is something you're only going to see this year. And then you probably, if it goes over well, you may see it as an on an experimental basis. But baseball is the traditional baseball. You play the season. It counts. How you qualify is it. And if you don't make it home, Thanks for being close, but close <laughs> don't make it. <laughs> yeah. What, what about the 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 extra anything where you sign where the runner starts on, on second, second base? Yeah, yeah I don't I don't like that, but I mean I get I it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I've, 
minor leagues have used it. Of course, it's always been used in 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 softball, uh, uh, especially uh, your 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 uh, internationals on the international softball team. It 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 just saves you. I mean, when it comes down, I I see no value, especially uh, in today's game of 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 having. 13, 14, 15, 16 inning games. It, it it does not do anything. And then I think the next day, you know, you come out and you're playing baseball. This isn't basketball players where they cry about talking about back-to-back and load management. <laughs> that baseball players laugh at that girly concept. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great because it saves your pitching. Uh, I think it adds excitement to the game. Obviously, it's more strategy. Do I bunt? Do I play for it? Uh, or how do you do it? But uh, I, I think it's one of those things uh, – one of those rules of the many ones that they're looking at that that's probably here to stay. Yeah. Now I want to circle back to the so, the fight for social injustice and a the powerful the first powerful statement that I saw in baseball was of course the Mets and the Marlins and the the pause for 42 seconds saluting Jackie Robinson and then they walked off the field and then the next night the Astros did it. Everybody's in their 42 jerseys for Jackie Robinson Day. They put the 42s on each side of the batter's box, and then they walk away and don't play that night, which I thought was just profoundly powerful. And when you see a guy like Dusty Baker, who's a baseball lifer, he, uh, I mean, just for him to see that and all that he went through early in his career, and of course he was around and friends with Hank Aaron. I mean, what do you think about when you saw it, and especially in through the eyes or the perspective of a Dusty Baker who's been through a lot racially in baseball? Well, I thought that uh, the baseball and that the uh, the Astros and the A's, I think they did a wonderful, just a wonderful job. And, and how they did that. I mean, uh, first of all, uh, to to keep the respect of Jackie Robinson at the forefront, because obviously Jackie was the guy that, uh, you know, fought for so many different injustices uh, in baseball that it was appropriate. But in addition to what you just said about laying a, the A's laid a jersey in the left uh, batter's box and the Astros laid a, a jersey in the right, you know what was on the plate? Yeah, Black Lives Matter T-shirt. Yeah, a Black Lives Matter T-shirt. Mm-hmm. So to to show that now the organizations uh, have have realized that the importance of of this issue is just not something that should be you know just just mentioned or just thought about, but but not really you know uh, given the importance of what it is. And, and 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 to see the baseball players, you know, take a stand and and to do that, it it kind of did. It, it it made me real proud. It it, it really did. Uh, what what do you think uh, for for guys like like Hank Aaron who's still around and 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 Dusty who's still in the game? What do you think about when you, as it pertains to those guys? I, I think that uh, you know that throughout baseball i i think a lot of them are, are seeing pride that that some of the things that they fought for for so long is really really coming back and i i think that that focus is probably just something that you know what i think about you know we think about kaepernick we think about the, the thing that he did but i also think about the james blake i mean here's the black tennis player he was thrown down for those that may not know james blake was thrown down to the sidewalk he was handcuffed this was this is george floyd this is 2015 right 
Yeah, he, this is George Floyd back in 2015, only it's James Blake, who's a popular tennis player, well-known tennis player. He was arrested by a plain clothes officer. This is, this is not uh, just saying, I, I can see your uniform, I can see you're a policeman. But, and it was in front of the Grand Hyatt Hotel in New York. Now, the officer said they mistook him for a credit card fraud suspect, and they was relying on a white witness and a photo. The commissioner, of course, at that time, William Bratton, he, he apologized for the mistake and denied even then that there was any allegations of racism in the department. It just shows you the things that have happened. I mean, of course, Blake sued and later he withdrew it because the conditions the city established a, a legal fellowship to investigate police misconduct. And, of course, for victims of uh, brutality. But it's just something, Devin, that I think that these athletes see, they remember, they know they're not going to push it under the rug and they're going to get it done. And I'm proud of them. Yeah, well, like I said, man, it, it's a powerful time. I mean, so many things are going on. So it, there are about 25 stories that would have been the story of the year any other year. But all of these things have combined in 2020, and it's just an unbelievable, incredible year. We're trying to, we're trying to get, get past November for better days. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And I, you just wish him luck. And, and for Dusty, let me just say you something else about Dusty. He doesn't like to talk about things. And obviously, with this limited access that we have, uh, a lot of things just get uh, pushed away. But Dusty, in partnership with the Astros Foundation and, and One Source, they donated a pallet of One Source flavored milk uh, to the Houston Food Bank. Now, the donation is really about 4,000 or so single-serving cartons of that, that eight-ounce ready-to-drink milk that is packaged, in, of course, in a recyclable carton. But uh, it, it's like it has an 18-month uh, shelf supply, and of course, it'll be included in all the Houston Food Bank's COVID meal kits, as well as their disaster relief meals that are prepared, of course, uh, those that, that are, have been re affected even recently with the hurricane. So it's a lot of things that people are doing. We just tell you, folks, put your mask on. Yes. Put your mask on. You know, respect each other uh, when it comes down to that. And, and we can beat this thing. We can get back to seeing the, the, the ball games like we used to see them. We can, we can watch these marvelous athletes as they go out there and compete and play and enjoy, you know, what they bring to the table. But it's going to take us all to do it. We just can't pick and choose what we like to do or what we feel like doing. Uh, let's just make sure they say, hey, we're Houston proud. Let's put our mask on. Let's social distance. Let's, let's do the things that we know to help each other. And we can get back and enjoy this. And I look so much forward to doing it. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to let you go. But I want to ask you this. You are one of the few media guys that actually go out to the ballpark. What is that experience like with no fans? It's 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 the worst thing that I think that I've ever seen uh, as far as being able to just prepare. I mean, being an athlete myself, there's something about when you come out of that dugout and you hear that crowd whether they like you say against you or, or or for you i mean and it happens in every sport i mean i can you can look at just the golfers uh, the, 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 that are that are out there some of them that are used to those uh, big crowds they can't focus the same and that you get a different feel it's the same thing in an empty park i mean cardboard cutouts just you know don't get it yeah. And 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 the, the the sound effects and what you hear and you got thirty media people out there you got 
you know, the ground crew out there and, 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 and a few uh, security people. But other than that, uh, you know, they take the right protocol, you know, your, your temperature check, uh, your health record is checked, of course, and they're doing everything that they can do. They're sanitizing the place. Of course, you, you know, you have to either bring your food and water. They, they don't really provide those things anymore. So basically, you know, it's, uh, you can, you know, get some things, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a process to go through that. But all in all, the Astros have done a, a fantastic job. Like I said, we did have the incident with the, the A's infection, and that's why it was shut down, of course, and everything had to be uh, sterilized and checked and rechecked and, and to make sure that everybody stayed safe and all the players, you know, were tested and, and got all their results back so it was just a good thing that uh, it all is well that ends well but uh, it's it's different man it's just not to have uh, people there is uh, you know it just was not uh, I think designed and uh, you know I, I see stadiums and people that are saying that we're going to try to get 25% in or we're going to just get try to get 50% of the capacity of people in but if you you want to go but I would say if you if you can't go and you can't really social distance and and keep that uh the, those things in mind just just uh remember that you you are putting yourself and others at risk yeah and we have listeners from all over the country so where where can uh, folks hit you up on social media where can they hear you on uh on the web or you know online how can folks get in uh, in touch with you and and sort of hear more of uh, mr baseball well i'm i'm you know always with ralph uh Ralph Cooper, the legend himself, the Hall legend, of Fame. Radio Hall you know, of Famer, uh, Hall of Famer. You know, his head is getting bigger and bigger every <laughs> yeah, every time. And you know, I've been looking at his head for almost thirty years, so <laughs> it, that, that's a head. I'm telling you. So, uh, but of course, I'm I'm there and 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 do a lot of things. Of course, too, with uh, the uh, TSRN, the Texas Sports Radio Network, with uh, Lynn Michaels and and the group. In fact, the uh, high school games, uh, bless their heart. Uh, they're uh, 5A and 6A are about to kick it up and try to catch up with the with the smaller schools here. So I'm sure over there at uh, TSRN we'll be busy, you know, just getting those things. I I also hear that that the junior colleges uh, are in the area that that San, the San Jacinto that that awesome baseball team, of course, of Tom Arrington, they're they're about to kick it back up and, and kick it in gear. So it's going to be a lot of sports. All we got to do is just get this virus under control get yes. our numbers and positivity numbers down we can do it folks i know you can i've seen houston rise up and do many many wonderful things we can do this we just got to do it together and do it safely so that we can get back to doing the things that we love to to do hey man well i appreciate it and uh, maybe we'll visit before the playoffs start and get your get a, your take on uh the major league baseball playoffs before they get started but i certainly yeah, appreciate it and i also appreciate you through the years i mean you've always been good a source of uh just advice and just hey just somebody if i needed to talk about something or you know what whenever i saw you you always had a good word for me and i've always appreciated that and i certainly appreciate you joining me here well, I know. I mean, to, to see you grow up to be the, the 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 person that you are, the man that you are. I have, you know, out there though, you know, back in the day, out those uh, days, I we used to take you to Vegas. Um, <laughs> you know, I was a little worried about you, but <laughs> I, I was worried I'm about me. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud to say that you came through with flying colors, and you're doing well. <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate it. Stay safe and much love. I want to thank Mr. Baseball James Montgomery for the conversation, but right now it's time for 
the Lamana Ward. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamana Ward goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, you know, for months and months, I've been railing against folks who haven't taken care of their responsibility in helping to end COVID by wearing a mask, washing your hands, safe social distancing, all of those things. And now the person that we're going to give the Lamont Award to, the big dummy of this episode, he is doing the right thing. So let's put this in proper context. He's doing the right thing. However, the headline is just trash and it's not helpful at all. I'm talking about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, did a podcast recently and he's invited to do this one. He's welcome. Come anytime you like. We certainly would love to have you. But he essentially said that he trusts the Lord and he's not going to worry about COVID. And if he dies, he dies. And I'm paraphrasing a whole lot because this is a long, long quote. I'm not reading all of that. It doesn't serve what we're doing here. But the quote that left that podcast that went out to the world is if I die I die and that just sounded so terribly irresponsible and it played right into the hands of a lot of folks who think oh well if it's my time it's my time until next thing yes of course of course if it's your time it's your time but there are things that we can do to mitigate that risk and that's why we do what we do I bet you wears a seatbelt I bet he doesn't drink and drive, or maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know him like that. I don't get down with Kirk Cousins like that. I bet he doesn't go around picking fights. He wears a helmet and shoulder pads. So let's put that in perspective. But if you die, you die. Okay, so we can't control it. But not only if you die, you die, and that's fine. You can die. But don't kill anybody else in the process. And let me say this. He did say, yes, I wear a mask. I do that to protect others. I would hate the idea of getting someone sick. But the headline which was it hung out there in the air for a while before he clarified those comments. The, the headline is, if I die, I die. So again, yes, there are things that we can do to mitigate risk, but beyond that, it's not even about you. It's about other people, and he's doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing, but it just didn't sound like it, and it played into the hands of all these idiots out here who don't give a damn about themselves and apparently about nobody else until they get sick. We've heard a bunch of uh, deathbed confessions that, oh, I made a mistake, or maybe I should have done something different, or I should not have done what I did, and they have gone on to die of COVID. So, again, he did the right thing, ultimately. He's doing the right thing, ultimately, but the headline sucked, and it made him look like a great, big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Kirk Cousins. I, I understand. I get it. I get it. I understand you're doing the right things. But do I like that? Do I like that? No, I do not like that. With that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go. Hey, I want to dedicate this podcast. There's been a lot of loss in 2020. I detailed some of that in this earlier episode. Sort of terribly morbid, but it's this life and this is what happens. But I want to dedicate this to my uncle, Henry Deerman. He passed away. Just one of my favorite uncles. I mean, like he was just really, really awesome. And he had been sick and just he passed away. Not not COVID related, but just had been ill and it, he passed away. But he is, like I said, one of my favorite people as far as just the way he lived his life, the way he enjoyed his life, the way he welcomed everybody all the time. Just a good, wonderful, wonderful, enjoyable person. Lived his life to the fullest. And so it's us who, uh, who are left behind uh, who will miss him. 
he uh, he lived his life and uh, again man i'm gonna miss him and i'm really really tight with my dad and they they have some stories had some stories but with that hey want to thank you guys for listening want to thank all the folks who subscribe like comment on all of the podcast uh platforms in addition to that you uh, want to remind you guys you can call me 832-941-6614 on twitter at wade's word the sports talk with devin wade page and group on facebook and finally wade's word productions.com and as always want you to remember these four things Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.